Hi, this is Felix Chimeranyika, lead pastor of Kairos Christian Center in Lelonga, Malawi. I am happy that you have joined us for the Kairos Lelonga podcast, and I believe God is going to inspire you and break you through into your kingdom destiny as you hear the word unpacked. This is your Kairos moment, God's appointed season for your kingdom breakthrough. Hallelujah. Very special welcome to you if you're here for the very first time. Kairos, are we happy they're here? Amen. Amen. And also a very special welcome to those of you that are watching us through Facebook Live. We are happy that you are here. Kairos, are we happy they're here? Amen. 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 I'd like to ask you to turn with me, please, to Genesis chapter number 3. Genesis chapter number 3. We began a new series last week, and we're, it's called Unshakable, Moving in Kingdom Authority. Unshakable, moving in kingdom authority. Listen, you were created with authority. You're not here by chance or by accident. God set you here. How do you move in that authority? So Genesis chapter number 3, hear the word of the Lord. <clears throat> now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You shall not eat of the tree of the, of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You'll not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you are naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, to the woman what is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and above all beasts of the field. And your belly, and on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I'll surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. The man called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. 
Now lest she reach out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man. And to the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and the flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. All men are like grass, and their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God lives on forever. Holy Spirit, we invite you, may you speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. Fallen from authority. Fallen from authority. You know, when we live our lives, there's always this aching feeling, this knowledge that I can be more. That I know that there, there's more to me than that which I'm going through. And you know, that can be something that can be very, in a sense, immobilizing for our lives. In the sense that you know there is potential in you, in the sense that you understand that there must be more out there, and that's because God has given us eternity in our hearts and a sense of destiny, a sense of, look, you matter, you are meant to be something else. But unfortunately, for some reason, life happens to us, and we are unable to move into that which we know we're supposed to move into. And I'd like to submit to you that that is really because we are not moving according to the authority that God has given us. We have not understood the way that we have fallen, and so we don't understand the, what we need to make us to rise up to be where God wants us to be. Now, I'd like also to submit to you that your existence, my existence, the existence of this whole world is really about authority. Authority is that ability to do something. It's authority that stems from God who gave us all authority so that we can move into the things that he has called us to move, into the destinies that he has for us. But we can only move in that destiny, in that authority, when we are hitched on to the authority of God. See, the problem is many of us don't know what went wrong. Don't know what's wrong with us. And so when you don't know what's wrong with you, it's hard for you to fix you. Can you imagine? You're driving a car, the fuel runs out. But you don't know the fuel runs out. You try and get the water, it's not going to fix it. Try and put water in the radiator, it's not going to fix it. Or try and put oil in there, it's not going to fix it. The problem is you don't have fuel. Guess, the car stops, all of a sudden you've run out of oil. You put fuel and then you start, you start moving it. You're going to knock that car. See, that's exactly why this passage is so very important for us, for you and for me. Because this passage explains to us what has gone wrong with us. What is wrong with you? What is wrong with me? Why do we have this sense of, 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 of getting to somewhere, of wanting to get somewhere, but we never get there? Last week we looked that uh, the fact that we were created in authority, that God set us in the earth, set humanity in the earth, so that humanity can be his representative. Just as God carries authority, his, his authority is because he, 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 he is the one that created everything, he passed on that authority to, or delegated that authority to human beings. And so last week we saw 
how there's authority in our worth. We are created in the image and likeness of God. How there's authority in our worship. We are meant to worship Him. How there is authority in our work. We are meant to work. And how there's authority in our wives and husbands in the sense of we have been called to be part of a community. But today we see how all that failed. How we fell from that authority. And in fact, we see in this story, or there's a reminder in the story, that though we are fallen from authority, God in Christ is restoring it. Look at your neighbor and tell them. Don't lean into them. Just look at them and tell them. Amen. Though we are fallen from authority, God in Christ is restoring it. Uh, look at the other neighbor. Though we have fallen from authority, God in Christ is restoring it. Watch the two ways that this is happening. First of all, I want you to watch how we are fallen from our authority. First of all, we are fallen from our authority in worship. I would like for you to turn with me, please, to Genesis chapter number 3 again. Look at verse number 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Now I want you to watch this now. I'm sure, well, we're, we're, we're New Testament believers, right? New Testament believers means that we, we have read all the way from Genesis to Revelation, right? And so in Revelation we're told that their serpent is Satan. Amen, right? The serpent, that liar from old, the father of lies, is is Satan the adversary of God or the enemy of God? When was Satan created? Are we told about the creation of the angels? No, we're not. Because Genesis is about the creation of this world, isn't it? It's not about the creation of all the other things that God has created. No, it's an account of how this earth was created. Now, the fact that we're given an account of how this earth was created does not mean that, you know, uh, God did not create Mars and all the other galaxies out there. No, the story is about our origins down here, isn't it? Right? And so then, here's what we're seeing. We're seeing that there is the serpent or there is Satan, and Satan comes into this animal. Amen. Do demons get into animals? Oh, yeah. Remember Jesus chased out demons and he sent them into pigs? And then the pigs run off into, into, into the lake, right? And so, picture it that way, right? So, the serpent, it was more crafty than any of the beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. In other words, here is God creating human beings who he has set in authority in the earth, right? And here is Satan who has been kicked out of heaven because he's disobedient, and he's not happy with the fact that human beings have authority in the earth. And so he's not happy with the authority of human beings. And so he wants to get that authority. He cannot get at God directly. And so he gets at the creation of God. He's a loser. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall, you shall not eat of the tree in the garden? Now I want you to watch Satan's attack. He always comes to attack the promise of God. He always comes to attack the word of God. If you do not know the Word of God, friend, you are in big trouble. Because that's what he always comes and does. So he says, did God actually say, you shall not eat of the tree in the garden, of, of any tree in the garden? He knows God did not say that. 
And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, You shall not eat of the tree of the fruit that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now here's the woman explaining to the serpent what she thinks God says. Now God didn't say don't touch it. God said don't eat of it. Now why is it that God had told Adam that you can eat of any fruit of the tree in the garden, but not this one particular one? What was that about? Well, remember, God has given authority to Adam. But Adam is an authority under the authority of God. In other words, Adam's boss is God, and when God says this is what you should do, in fact, in, in Genesis chapter number 2, it says that God commanded Adam, commanded, it wasn't a suggestion, it was a commandment, do not eat of, this, of the fruit of this tree. Because in the moment that you do that, you are surely going to die. And therein lies the obedience of Adam. In fact, therein lies how Adam sees God as worthy of being obeyed. Therein lies worship. Because worship is obedience. Oh, please don't think that worship is just you lifting up your hands. Don't think that worship is just you crying because, you know, you've heard that powerful worship song. No, 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 no. Worship at its heart. In essence, worship is obedience. Those tears without obedience, they're nothing. That tithe without obedience is nothing. That offering without obedience is nothing. Because God seeks that people should obey Him. And that was the source of the authority of Adam. You see, your worship is your authority. Let me say that again. Your worship is your authority. Your obedience to God is your authority. Every area of your life where you're not obedient to God is every area of your life where you don't have authority from God. Every area in your life where you're not obedient to God is every area in your life you have no authority from God. If that business is not submitted to the authority of God, if that business is not done in obedience to the word of God, there is no blessing of God there, no authority of God there. I want you to catch that because at the heart of all this, at the heart of your life, at the heart of my life, at the heart of human existence, is this recognition, this understanding that first and foremost, I obey God because when I obey God, that's where I draw the authority for every sphere of my life that God has destined me to move into. But the serpent said to the woman, verse number four, you will not surely die. I don't know if you're watching this. The lie is escalating. Eh? At first, it's just a conversation. Did God actually say Oh, no, but you know, God say that uh, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't even touch it. And the devil says, there goes somebody who doesn't know the word. I know how to twist them now. You'll not surely die, verse number five. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Here's what the devil does. The devil wants to make you come to a point where you say God is not good. Where you say that, no, 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 if God was good, I wouldn't be in this situation. The devil wants you to come to the place where you doubt God. And friend, let me tell you something. When you come at a place where you doubt the goodness of God, you're an accident waiting to happen. You're an accident waiting to happen. 
Don't ever come at the point that you, 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 you question the goodness of God. Even when you don't understand. That's what faith is about. Faith does not understand. Faith doesn't understand. Why is it that I'm in this trouble? Don't I tithe? Don't I do this? Don't I do that? Don't I do that? Am I not good? Why, is all, why are all these things happening to me? Faith still says that, you know, though he slay me, then yes, I will trust him. Though he slay me, yet I'm going to trust him. Faith is job. You, know, you can doubt at times what's happening to me or whatever, but ultimately you come to the point where you say God is good in spite of my bad circumstances. And so here he goes. God is not good. God is not good. God, God knows that in the day that you eat of it, you, you, you're going to be like him, knowing good and evil. Now I want you to watch out because the devil also is a flatterer. It's, he's a flatterer. He wants to put you up on a pedestal. He wants you to make you to think you can be something you can never be. Can you ever be like God? Can a finite being, a being that has a beginning and the end, can a, a being like that ever come at a point where that being is like an eternal being who has no beginning and no end? Can you ever be like God? You can never, ever be like God. Adam and Eve are formed in the image and likeness of God. They're his representatives. But here's what this rebel is saying. This rebel is saying, listen, you can go out there and you can be like him. Now, he's not saying it because he really wants, he really wishes humanity well. He hates humanity. You know, there's some people like that, that urge you on to do something that they know it's going to be your fault. If I had so-called friends like those, that's what the devil is doing, urging them on so that they fall from their grace or they fall from the blessing in God. They fall from the authority so that he can take the authority. So he says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God knowing good and evil. Verse 6, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes. And that, there was, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate. Watch it now. He always comes with this approach. With this three-thronged approach. When John is writing in 1 John chapter number 2, he says, listen, everything that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, they are passing away. And that's what he, he dangles to her. Oh, listen, if you eat the fruit of this tree, oh, it's good. It's good. It will make you feel good. If you eat of the fruit of this tree, you're going to be one who is wise, like God. You know things you, you, you don't know right now. You come to a higher level. You tap into the mysteries. You get enlightenment. See, when you start believing the lie of the devil, the devil comes in full force. The devil does not come into your life 
until you give the devil an open door into your life. Tell your neighbor. The devil will not come into your life until you give an open door to the devil. Oh, pastor, I have a demon. I need deliverance. I need deliverance. Yeah, you do. But first of all, let's find out how you let in the demon. Isn't it? Let's, let, let's see what it is that you do that has made you to come at a point that you've opened the door. Because if we cast out the demon without, without ensuring that the door is closed, he's going to come back. And here's a dangerous thing. When he comes back, he comes back with seven other demons and occupies you. And so please understand, first and foremost, if you believe the lie, you have opened the door to the devil. Believe the lie and the devil has got an open door to you. Don't get into the word. Don't get into the word of God. You are already full just waiting to fall. Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2 when he's talking about the rise of the, of the man of unrighteousness, the rise of the Antichrist, and how his coming is going to be with all sorts of deception, with false signs and wonders. Now watch it, false signs and wonders. They're signs and wonders, but they're false ones. With false signs and wonders. And he says that God has allowed that to happen. And so that those ones that do not love his truth, those people who don't love his truth can be deceived. You get deceived because you don't know the truth. What is the truth? The Word of God. Friend, listen. We've started doing the 90-day reading plan. And some of you are we're already saying, oh, but you know, 90 days, the Bible through 90 days. Man, I can't do that. But then you sat for those MSCE exams, and you, wrote, you read more than the Bible, maybe three, four times the Bible. This one, this reading is a reading for your life. And so that you are established in the word of truth. So that when the enemy comes, he doesn't steal your authority. Because you would know what God has said. Watch this. He took authority. We are fallen from our authority in worship. Number two, we are fallen in our authority in worth. In other words, in our being in our being created in the image and likeness of God. If you remember again, Genesis chapter number 1, verse number 26 onwards, it says, God said, let us create man in our image and likeness. Let them have dominion over everything. So we are created in the image and likeness of God. We draw our authority from the fact that God valued us so much. Did God have to create humanity? He didn't have to. He didn't have to. Does God need any, any humans around him? No. Does God need anything? God doesn't need anything. Look, he existed before anything existed. And before anything existed, he was God all by himself. Amen. His Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he has fellowship within himself, isn't it? There's nothing that God needs. But out of his love, that's when he created us. And then he said, let them be like us. Let them have dominion. So male and female, he created them. So there's a worth to us that comes from the fact that we are created in the image and likeness of God. Your worth does not come from what you have or what you don't have. See, that's what the materialistic world is, is, is telling you. This Babylon system is telling you that when you have the latest car, when you have the latest phone, when you have the latest whatever, when you have the most beautiful woman, when you have the most beautiful husband or whatever, then you are it. Then you are somebody. No. 
you are somebody because you're in the image and likeness of God. You don't have to dress up to be somebody. Now, you may feel like when I dress up, I feel important. But that's a lie. Because you're not important because of what, how you dress up. You're not important because of where you live. You're important because you are created in the image and likeness of God. And this is the place where the enemy lies to us. And you know, we, we, we oppress each other too, isn't it? And so some people told us that, no, 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 no. You Africans, you are backward, you are lazy, you are all this, you are nothing. You'll never amount to anything. A lie. Oh, no, you know, what is a human being? Well, a human being is somebody who thinks. A human being is a rational creature. And so in Western philosophy, they say stuff like, I, I, I think, therefore I am. I think, therefore I am. So if I do not think, then I am not a human being. Oh, and so the Africans, they don't have philosophy, they don't have this, they don't think, and so they're not human beings. Enslave them. Bring them from Africa and let them build our nation. Let them build America. America got rich of slavery, just in case you don't know. No. We don't go by that narrative that we're inferior. We're not inferior. But when sin comes in, when the devil comes with his lie, there comes in another narrative where we start seeing ourselves according to what the enemy says, according to what the devil says. And guess what it does? We lose authority even in our worth. Watch what happens to these guys, verse number 7. Then the eyes of both were opened and they knew that they were naked. Their eyes were open, and they knew that they were naked. Last verse of chapter number two says, they were both, they were naked, but they were not ashamed. They were naked, but not ashamed. Sin has come. Deception has come. They've lost their authority. Now shame comes with it. Amen. Oh, you know, the fruit of the tree was really, you know, the, it was really sex. That's a lie. It's not in the Bible. It's not in here. This is a narrative. When we, when, 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 when we interpret a narrative, we take it as a story because it is a story. Oh, but you know, I can't imagine how that happened. Well, you can't imagine a lot of things. It doesn't mean that if you can't imagine something, then it, it's, it's not true. Right? Do you, do you understand how electricity comes all the way from Kola to here? Can you explain? You can't even explain it. And yet you believe there is electricity. You don't have to explain it to understand it. Sometimes you can't explain it. And so you just say, yeah, I think that's the way that it is. Unless somebody has a more plausible explanation, an explanation that makes more sense. This explanation that makes the most sense. And so then, their eyes were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. They understood that, uh-oh, I'm naked. I should cover myself. Do you know all our clothes... Uh, a result of sin, right? All this dressing up. Hey, come on now. Uh, all the Caduccis, all the Levi's, all the, I don't know, whatever Italian names you may conjure up. Because of sin. Shame. Then we're told, verse number 8, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Listen, ever since the fall, we run away from the presence of God. The natural inclination is we run, run. So we don't want somebody telling us about Jesus. 
Oh, I used to hate it. My friend, when we used to go get drunk and everything, then he would start quoting Ecclesiastes. Young man, know this. Enjoy all you can, but one day you'll face your maker. I'm like, dude, you can't be talking about that here. That's scary. So people don't want to hear the word of God because the word of God scares them. Because they remember, deep down in their hearts, they remember one day I will die and I'm going to meet God. And so ever since, we've been running away. Watch, it says, verse number nine, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, Adam, at least he's honest, right? He's still honest. Because imagine if it was you. Where, where are you? Oh, I'm coming. Uh-uh. We're not asking you what you're doing. We're asking you, where are you? I'm coming. Where are you? I'm coming. No, no, no. Tell us where you are. But Adam is still honest enough. So he says, oh, listen, uh, I, I, I was afraid. I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid. So fear comes in. You see, shame is from the, is from the fall. Shame is not something you and I are supposed to have. Shame is from the fall. Fear is from the fall. Watch what happens next. He said, verse number 11, he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the fruit of the tree and I ate. I thought this is the woman that when she was formed from your rib, you said, ah, now this is bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall, call me, she shall be called woman, isn't it? But now, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It's this woman that she gave me. Blame shifting. I'm sure you've seen people like that. When something goes wrong, they're trying to blame somebody. It's because you did such, such a thing. Ah, uh ah. -uh. It's part of the fall. In fact, I shouldn't say you know somebody. You know you. That when something goes wrong, you don't want it to be you. You want it to be somebody else. And so, blame shifting comes. Then the Lord God said to the woman, verse number 13, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. Nobody is owning up. Here's a problem. When you can never take responsibility for your problem, and your problem is somebody else, do you know what you say? You are locking yourself in your problem. Because that somebody else probably may not do anything to ensure that you get out of the problem, is it? In other words, you are the solution to your own problem by owning up to your problem. Oh, you know, it was because my father didn't do such, such a thing. Forget your father. He died so many years ago. What are you doing with your life right now? How are you taking responsibility? So when sin comes, authority falls because the way that we look at ourselves, the worth that we have is one that is tainted by shame, tainted by fear, tainted by blame shifting. There isn't much of worth in ourselves. And so we look down on ourselves before anybody looks down on us. Oh, you know, many of us, it's like that, right? Before anybody looks down on us, before anybody oppresses us, we're already oppressing ourselves because we look down on us. 
Oh, that's not from God. That's part of the fall. Can a team that thinks it's going to lose ever win? No. A winning team is thinking winning. Can a person who looks down on himself, a person who looks down on herself, can they ever move into the destiny of God? They can never. See, the thing about God is he can do exceedingly abundantly above all he can ever ask or imagine according to the power that works in us. But if we don't understand that, if we look at ourselves according to what we can do, what we fail to do, according to our worth, we already have lost that battle. We are fallen. We are fallen. We are fallen from our authority in worship, in worth. We are fallen from our authority with wives and husbands. And if you remember this, I, I have said that in chapter number 2, because Genesis is the book of beginnings, and so God doesn't start with the harvest. God always starts with a, a seed. Isn't it? And so we see the seed. And so from the seed of humanity, there's going to come the whole of society. And so we start with this relationship of Adam and Eve, Adam and his wife. That's where we start off with humanity. And then from Adam and his wife is going to come all of us, all 7 billion, probably getting to 8 billion of us right now. And so what we see in a seed is supposed to grow. But the principle is still the same. See, with God's original way that he, he constructed us or he created us, he created us in such a way that there will be a harmonious society from a loving father, a loving mother would come children that are loved in their families. And from there would come communities, societies, and countries that love each other. Probably they may not even be countries. They may not even, they, they may, there wouldn't have been one country going to conquer another country. Mm -mm. Because we'll have all been loving each other. But when sin comes, when Satan shows up, even that falls. This is where we start to understand a curse. A curse is when you're not moving in the authority of God. Blessing is when you're moving in the authority of God. Blessing is not having a car. Uh-uh. Blessing is moving in the authority of God. You are moving according or obeying God. And so as you're obeying God, you're moving in the authority that God has for you. Because when you obey God, then you're going to do the things that God has called you to do. You're going to achieve the things that God wants you to achieve. But watch what happens right now. In verse number 14, the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. So here we're given the picture that, you know, the serpent, this serpent, and this word for serpent is actually a very broad word for, you know, creatures that crawl, right? And so the idea we're given here is that this serpent was walking on feet, or, yeah, it had feet. But... God's curse to it is no more. You're not going to be walking on your feet. You shall crawl on the belly. And then he says there's going to be enmity between you and the seed of the woman. There's going to be now before where there was a harmonious existence between humanity and the created order and the animal world, there is no harmonious existence anymore. The fall has come. Verse number 16, to the woman he said, I will surely multiply your, your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. 
bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, uh-uh. Because now you, you want to be God, because now you want to rule, because now you want to be like God. Look, if you're going to want to be like God, what's your husband? Who's your, your husband is a nobody, nonsense, isn't it? I mean, you want to be like God. That's why you ate of the fruit of the tree. And so, here comes in the trouble in society. Yes, there's pain in childbearing. But your desire shall be for your husband. Desire is thought there in a negative way that this is kind of like a usurping of the authority of the husband and wanting to grab the authority of the husband. I mean, there you have it. There you have it. Here is where you have the gender-based violence because the next thing we're told, but he shall rule over you. He shall rule over you. So you're going to grab, want to grab that authority and he's going to oppress you. So let's not forget part of the fall is rebellion against all authority. Rebellion against authority of God, rebellion against authority that is in the world too, that God has instituted. And so, yes, natural instinct, the man, the woman wants to grab the authority of the man and guess what? The man rules over her. Patriarchy, male-dominated society starts right here. What kind of society are you going to build from this? What kind of society are you going to build from a family that is broken? What kind of a society are you going to build when fathers beat mothers? What kind of society will you build when fathers or husbands kill their wives and the children are watching? What kind of society? So the devil knows, let me get to them while they haven't grown. When they're still in the seed form. When it's still Adam and Eve, let me get to them. Let me mess them up. Because everything afterwards is going to be messed up. Do you know some of the mess you're dealing in your life is generational? Amen. Some of the mess you're dealing with is generational. It's just been handed down to you. Because that's all you've known. That's all you've seen. We fell from authority in the wife and the husband relationship. I wonder what we fell from authority as well in work. So at the beginning, God puts Adam in the Garden of Eden so that he can guard it and keep it. And in that Garden of Eden, there are four rivers that are flowing out of there. There's the, the Tigris and Euphrates that we know. And last week I talked about how civilizations have always grown on riverbanks, started on riverbanks, isn't it? Right? And then he talks about gold and onyx and delium, mineral resources. God always gives you the minerals. And so that you can have the brains to extract the minerals and use them for whatever it is that you need them to. But watch what happens when the lie comes. Verse number 17, and to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. He says, Because you haven't worshipped me. Essentially, that's what he's saying. I commanded you should do this, but you did not do that. You, you rather listen to your wife. Now, Adam, you're really stupid because at least if you had listened to the serpent, right? But you listen to your wife, somebody like you. He says, you disobeyed. You did not worship. Because of that, cursed is the ground because of you. 
In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So the ground that was supposed to produce for you, the ground that was supposed to make you wealthy, to make you rich, it is cursed. Why? Because of your work. The work of your hands curses the resources you have. Tell your neighbor, the work of your hands. Let's do this again. The lack of your worship, tell them, the lack of your worship curses the work of your hands. In other words, your worship is co connected to your work. He has disobeyed God. He has not worshipped God. Guess what? God curses his work. Your business is connected to your worship. Your business is connected to your worship. In fact, there's a saying that goes, to work is to worship. To work is to worship. Because who do you work for? If you work for God, you'll do it as unto God. And when you do it as unto God, God blesses the work of your hands. Let me say this again. Adam did not pray for money. Adam did not pray for food. Adam worked. Amen. And God expects you, you work. He blesses the work of your hands. No, but he's going to bless me and he's just going to open the windows of heaven and give me manna. Yes, when you're in the desert down and out and you have nothing and you're putting on the very same clothes for 40 years. Yes. But when you get into the promised land, oh no, you, you eat of the land. It's a land flowing with milk and money. Honey. God supplies for you. You get it? Why? Because you've separated yourself to him. And so here comes the curse. He says, cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. So he's saying, look, you're, you're, you're going to plant things. Where you, you, you plant just the maize, the corn, guess what's going to happen? There's going to be thorns as well. There's going to be an infestation of things that are now trying to compete with your crop. Are you going to have much of a harvest? You're not going to have much of a harvest. In fact, you're going to do this in pain. You're going to just survive, eke out a living. Just survive, not thrive. Since by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. I mean, all this is, is poverty right there, isn't it? Where does poverty come from? Poverty comes from the fall. No, you know, it is... If you're holy, you're going to want to be poor. Liar. Liar. That's not the way we were created. We're not created to have scarcity. Oh, don't you know? The, the poverty is good because your poverty makes you to turn to God. Uh-uh. No, my riches can make me to turn to God too. Because I know the source of my riches, isn't it? I know who has blessed the work of my hands. I know that the breath that I have is breath that has come from God. And so poverty comes in here. Please understand, when you're walking in the authority of God, God will provide everything that you need. My God shall supply all the things that you need according to his riches and glory. Oh, he says the cattle on a thousand hills, they're his. The gold is his, the silver is his. He says, once more, I'll shake heaven and earth, and I shall fill this temple with wealth. He says, I'm the one that gives you the power to create wealth, he says in Deuteronomy chapter number 8. 
He gives power to create wealth. Why? Without wealth, you can never do anything down here. You think we can send people to Japan to preach the gospel without money? Ah, you don't need money. You do, you do need money. Tell your neighbor, you need money. And tell them that's why God should bless the work of your hands. And then here's the lousy thing that happens. It says, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Death. Death happens. End of story. So you work hard, 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 hard. And then at the end of the day, you accumulate all this money. And guess what? Boom, somebody else takes over that money and blows it. Having a chat yesterday with somebody relative and she was saying oh you know we had money my dad really worked hard we had all this money and da, 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 da. oh but my sister you know she was just living large and she has no money right now she's asking me for money person died you get it tell your neighbor you will die I don't want to die yes we know you don't want to die but you are going to die the curse has come. Tell them, the curse has come. Watch this now. We have fallen from authority, but we are being restored to our authority by God's grace. We are being restored to, to our authority by God's grace in Christ Jesus. Now I want you to watch again. Here's something that some of you may have noticed. I skipped verse number 18. Verse number 15. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And we know this is a picture in the New Testament of the Lord Jesus Christ, isn't it? The Lord Jesus Christ is the one that is the seed of the woman that comes and takes over that authority. So in other words, from the word go, it's not like God didn't know that man is going to fall. Hallelujah. It's not like God didn't know. God is eternal, past, future, present. They're all like one to him. And so there's nothing that surprises him. Oh, but why did he create human beings that have a free will, that can choose to sin or not to sin? Yes, he wanted somebody that has a free will. He was not creating robots that he's going to press a button and then they love him. Press a button, they worship him. Some of you want somebody to get married to somebody like that. That's not love. But he created human beings that have free will. And so us human beings, we chose because we're always curious. If you tell us, don't eat of that, it's like telling us, eat of that. And so then, we fail. But he already had a plan. In fact, we're told that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that was slain before the creation of the world. And so you already had a plan that, listen, here's what I'm going to do, devil. I'm going to get the seed of the woman to come and take power from you, take authority from you. What does John say in his first letter? He says, the reason the Son of God came is to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. What is the destroying of the works of the devil? It's giving the authority back to you, giving the authority back to me, giving us authority so that we can do what God has called us to do. And so you start seeing it here. In fact, Genesis chapter number 3, verse 15, is called the Protovangelion. Tell your neighbor, Protovangelion. Tell them it's the first gospel. 
So you have the gospel here. In fact, here you have grace. A lot of people think, oh, grace starts in the New Testament. No, 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 no. Grace may not be mentioned here, but grace is here. What is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It's God doing, you, doing something for you that you don't actually deserve. And so here we see now that, ah, God, you, you're saying you're going to destroy the works of the devil through, the, through a seed that is going to come along. And watch what he does next. Look at verse number 20. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was, this, she, was, she was the mother of all living. In other words, Adam didn't just die, drop dead right there and then. In the day that you shall eat of it, you shall die. Is he dead? Yes. No, he's living. Yes and no. He's dead spiritually. Physically, he's still living. First is always the spiritual, then comes the manifestation of the spiritual. So death, spiritually, it's going to manifest itself in physical death later on. That's a grace. Because God, I mean, he could have just wiped us out and created another race of human beings or another creature. Isn't it? But that's grace. And Adam is still able to name his wife. He, he, he still has the authority. So even though the image of God is somewhat broken because he doesn't have the dominion, the authority that he has at the beginning, but there's still some dominion there. He doesn't have the worth that he had at the beginning, but there's still some worth there. At least God takes him to be a worthy creature. And so he can name his wife Eve living. And God makes for Adam and Eve garments of skin. Not the loincloths of leaves, but garments of skin. Here is where God kills an animal so that he can clothe Adam and Eve. There's the gospel again. For sin to be covered, there must be the shedding of blood. The wages of sin is death. And so to cover sin, something must die. And so something dies so that they, their sin can be covered. Isn't that a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ? Who came and died on the cross, shed his blood, died for us. And so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's our restoration. That's how we come back. That's why in Christ Jesus, now we can start speaking of, oh, I have authority. That's why in Christ Jesus, we can start saying, oh, I have worth. That's why in Christ Jesus, we can start saying, oh, I can worship. And worship is the source of everything that we do. Look at his grace. Verse number 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, a man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. What would have happened if Adam and Eve were still eating of the, tree, of the fruit of the tree of life? They would have lived on in a fallen state forever and ever. There will not have been the chance of redemption. And so God, so that they don't become these eternally evil or forever evil human beings, God blocks them out of there. And here's another thing he does, verse 24. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way of the tree of life. Cherubim, angels that guard the 
throne of God. And so he sets them there so that they don't go there. Grace. Friend, listen, listen. There's authority on you. There's authority on you. God has granted you authority. It's an authority that comes from your worth. Oh, he lives in 99 and he comes for you, isn't it? Because you are that worthy before God. He loves you so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for our sins and so that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But if you don't know the word of God, my friend, if you don't know the promises of God, you'll never move into the authority of God. Listen, the thing that you need in your life, the thing that's going to take you to the next level is the word of God. The word of God is living and sharp, sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces between bone and marrow, between sword and spirit. It's a descent of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. When you take the word of God that is breathed out by God, I tell you, the life of the word of God comes into your life and it gives you the authority so that you can start moving into the things that God has for you. What does God's word say about you? What does the word of God say about your business? What does God's word say about your family? Those are the things that you need to know because when you know those things, you walk in kingdom authority. And I tell you, he came to destroy the works of the devil in your life, in my life. So there you are, busy running. From one prophet to another prophet. I know at Kairos, they just teach the word, man. Ah. Somebody asked my wife, so you say you're a pastor's wife. So in your church, do miracles happen? Yesterday, I watched a video of Prophet Makandiwa from Zimbabwe. And he was saying, you know the way he speaks, right? <laughs> Here's a reason. Why I will not allow my son or my daughter talking like him. If he lives, she lives this church. To go to a prophetic church. I'm not going to allow them to go to a prophetic church. So of course, the people are wondering, oh, 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 oh. and he says, because what you need is the word of God. So if you can find a man of God that teaches the word, stay there. And I said, amen. Because where are you deceived? You are deceived from misunderstanding the word. What gets you into the curse when you don't understand the promises of God? When you are taught, when you live in the word of God, when you walk in the way of God, when you obey God, that becomes your authority and your power to move into the blessing that God has for you. So the issue of somebody laying hands on you. Oh, we can lay hands on you. All we want, all you want. Nothing is going to change until you're walking in the path of obedience that God has set for you. 
until you're walking in the word and doing things according to your word, until you stop having other people to be mediators between you and Jesus. Because that's what some of you do. You don't read the word of God, of God at all. Sunday is when you come and you expect me to be your Bible. I'm not your Bible. I'm not your Bible. I cannot be your Bible. I can never replace the Bible. God wants to speak to you by himself so that you're not lied to. And there are things that get wrong too. You want to go to the source. Friend, listen. God wants to restore you. He wants to restore you. He wants to restore that authority. He wants to restore that self-worth that he put inside you. He wants to restore that worship inside you. He wants to restore that wife-husband thing inside you. The way that you fellowship with other people. He wants to restore them. He wants to restore the work of your hands to bless you. But he cannot do that until you realize what the fall has done to you. And then you realize what Christ has done for you. Hallelujah. Like for us to stand, let's stand together. Thank you for listening to the Kairos Lolongwe podcast. I trust you've been blessed. Please do us a favor and share this podcast with friends on Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, and whatever social media you're on. May the Lord break you through into your kingdom destiny. Blessings.